Honduras, only 38% of adults have a bank account and only 3% of them have a credit card. Transactions are face-to-face with cash. A little tough to send cash through the web. We know that's a challenge. You basically take the E out of e-commerce as soon as you have to have not only physical money, but physical money in a different currency. All right. Well, hey there, Josh. This is Darren, and we are excited to have you here for Commerce Today. And I think we're going to have a little fun because uh, we've recently been talking about some travel. And our episode this time is a little bit about that, but kind of in a different way of what does it mean for e-commerce when you travel to some very interesting places? And in this case, we would call it an e-commerce island. So Josh, help me out. What the heck is an e-commerce island? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I feel like when we talk about international e-commerce, cross-border e-commerce, in the U.S., a lot of us, and I think in Europe as well, we think, hey, this is a solved problem. Like, if you want to sell something, you're a U.S. e-commerce store, even a fairly small store, and you want to sell to someone in the U.K., there's services out there that make that easy. They handle the cross-border payments, the the customs, the shipping, all that stuff. Um So I think for a long time, we've thought, hey, this is a solved problem. But what I discovered recently um, through a a great trip in the Caribbean um, is that in the Caribbean and in Central America, um, this is not a solved problem. And it actually goes back to, I was telling you before the show, Darren, about a a guy I met in Roatan, Honduras, small island off the coast of Honduras, ironically named Tex, not from Texas. Gotta love that. Yeah. And as he was telling me, we were actually talking about one of those great tropes of, oh, what, what is it like? How do men shop versus how do women shop and all that stuff? And he's a whole other episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not going there, that's for sure. Um, but he was explaining the first thing that kind of caught my attention. He was talking about how, hey, you know, here in Honduras, you don't return things. Like, all sales are final. It's just not, wow. not common. But then I made some comment about Amazon. He's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of Amazon. I'm like, well, what do you mean you've heard of Amazon? You use Amazon, right? Yeah, really? Um, and that's when I realized from talking to him that, yeah, Amazon and e-commerce in general um, doesn't have great penetration into the Caribbean and Central and South America. And especially, um, I don't know, to me, it reminded me of the early 2000s in the U.S. when it comes to e-commerce, which part of that was, okay, challenges, not a lot of people using it, but a lot of that was also opportunity. So, so is it these the Amazon drivers, UPS drivers, FedEx don't like to hang out in the Caribbean? I can't imagine that. There's got to be another reason for this sheltering almost mm-hmm. for the for this situation because gosh, what a great place to hang out and be. What kind of creates that barrier, Josh? I, that didn't, doesn't seem to make sense to me. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me either. I mean, we're talking about this, and I'm literally watching not only plane loads of tourists fly into their little island airport, but also cargo planes. I'm like, all right, so you can get things here. It's it's more expensive, but it's possible. So what I discovered, and and this may just be reflect my American upbringing and American approach to life, but that um, in Honduras, only 38% of adults have a bank account. And only 3% of them have a credit card. Transactions are face-to-face with cash. Ah, so a little tough to send cash through the web. We know that's a challenge. And if as soon as you take away the electronic option for payment and, and anything like that, it really kind of puts the whole kibosh on, on, the, uh, on the e-commerce 
probability of it even happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really you. You basically take the e out of e-commerce <laughs> right. as soon as you have to have physical, not only physical money, but physical money in a different currency. So you know you're you want to buy something from someone that sells in the U.S. that sells in dollars, and you have Honduran money that. Um, First of all, it's physical and in Honduras and not in America, but then also is in a different currency. Interesting. Now, that's not always the case because I know from the notes here that uh, that we were t- talking about, Jamaica is a, is a bit of the reverse. They, at least 73% of the adults have a bank account, and, and then 12% of those have a credit card. So it is happening a little bit, but... And it's probably, and it's definitely not a topic for for commerce today to go into the politics of why some of these countries don't don't have, or I should say, the general population doesn't have bank accounts and have credit cards of any variety. But I guess as you look at that, is there anything else from a from their financial structures that either prevent or do you see an opportunity where there could be a breakthrough? Yeah, I think a lot of it really comes down to trust those. There's a lack of trust in the financial institutions. Um, some of it is just cultural, like Jamaica. Yes, they have the bank accounts, but only 12% of them have a credit card. Some of that may be that brands don't want to offer credit cards there. But I think some of that too is if you're from a culture that doesn't have debt, are you going to teach your children, hey, go get credit go get cards, <laughs> go get debt? Um, and, and that's again, what the banks do here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they do it rather well. I think we've shown the the rest of the world, or at least the Caribbean, why you don't want to do that. Um, and so I think, yeah, a lot of it is even in Jamaica. There's that that combination of they don't have a credit card, so if they're going to pay, they're paying you straight out of their bank account, and they don't know you, they've never met you, and so there's again a level of trust there, and it, it just it reminds me so much of back in the the early days of e-commerce when mm-hmm. we would put trust seals and safety seals all over the checkout pages say, no, really, you can trust us. You know, Give us your credit card number, your debit card number, um, make a payment to us because we are trustworthy. Um, that's missing. And I think some of it is a cultural barrier of the ways that we try to communicate on a website that, hey, this is a safe, secure website for you to purchase from. They're not the same sort of trust signals that people in the Caribbean or in Central or South America might mm-hmm. be looking for. So do you think then, could it be a culture opportunity, I would say, that if the right bank, and maybe we should start a bank, Josh, um, I got a nickel, maybe you got a nickel, rub them together, we're off to the races, okay. Is it a culture issue that maybe we, there's some study into the culture to help understand what would cause them or what would, what would be that trigger or that signal that they could trust. I definitely think there's that opportunity. And I think right now, no one is really pursuing that because while the Caribbean's 44 million people, it's a decent sized market, it's fragmented. It's different languages, different countries, different regulations, even different cultures. Um, Something I learned about Roatan is that they actually um, speak English, but were acquired by Honduras about 100 years ago. So the official language switched from English to Spanish. Um, however, they still prefer English and most of them still use English. Well, mm. compare that to, you know, go a few hundred miles north into Cancun or Cozumel, and obviously it's all Spanish. Um, there's even some Dutch in the Caribbean. So a lot of different languages, a lot of fragmentation. Um, and really there's also the the flip side of this. As I was thinking about it, there's so 
so much artwork, so much creativity, so many interesting products being created in the Caribbean that aren't available. That aren't getting out. Yeah, they're not getting out. Um, and maybe one in a hundred do. Maybe like they partner with someone or there's actually a um, a leather brand that makes different leather iPad, iPhone accessories that I like to brand, uh, buy from that makes a big deal about how their leather workers are in South America, they're providing good jobs, that sort of thing. But that's a very one-off type of approach versus finding a way that all of these different artisans and creators and entrepreneurs could access the U.S. e-commerce market. Is it so is it maybe even some warehousing and having the the logistics behind it? Because you you said, and I, I agree, there's there's cargo going in and out of there. So it's not necessarily the the logistics aren't there or the the systems aren't there, but maybe there's some something's added, something that's needed to bridge the gap. Yeah, you know, there's there's been freight forwarders forever um, that operate basically both ways, so they'll handle that for you. Um, it adds some cost and some expense, um, but I think I really think even going both ways, it really comes down to um, culture and trust. And I think that there's not enough voices talking about this, and there's not enough voices to educate. You know, local voices basically saying, "Hey, this is an opportunity. You should pursue it." Because think about it: if you if you don't have access to e-commerce, you don't use e-commerce, you might not realize the massive opportunity of selling your products into the U.S. Well, and one thing I was going to hit on, you talked a little bit about the the different cultures and lots of languages, but I guess from a GDP standpoint, um, at least a little bit, they're not necessarily the most, the wealthiest countries or the wealthiest areas. So that may be lessening or reducing the interest in going down there from the banks and stuff. But we're kind of at a place and kind of what you're saying is, is kind of sounds like we need a, you know, the proverbial call to action, come one, come all, let's, let's solve this. What, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that, um, I don't want to start a bank. (laughs) Really? And I, I've been told that, you know, I already have enough with my hands full with my current company. So I don't even want to start another business right now. But I think for the e-commerce community, and this might be a group, this might be one person, this might be someone that wants to start a new business. But I think there's a business opportunity here where, you know, rallying a group of people around solving this challenge and, you know, going in and figuring out, okay, how do we bridge these gaps? How do we bridge these cultural divides, basically, and increase e-commerce adoption? Um really both ways. And I think we've touched on a few things, like some of it might be a payment aspect, some of it might be shipping logistics, a lot of it's going to be education. Um, so it's it almost feels like something that if Amazon was a wonderful, benevolent nonprofit that wanted to go out and do that, they have everything they need to do it. However, that's when you look at the GDP, the financials, they're not going to do it. So, Well, I wonder though, this also reminds me of a lot of the early days. I mean, this ages me a little, but even just going back to different countries, just import, import, export, and the good old fashioned of just getting goods across the borders and that, whether, you know, no e commerce necessarily involved or what little, I mean, it may have been a phone call or it may be EDI transactions and stuff to get things across. So my thought is, is that it's almost that type of person or persons and group that would 
would really break that barrier and and kind of take and say, hey, let's let's create this import export, but let's do it via e-commerce and let's break through whatever those barriers are. Let's figure it out. But th- it's also bigger because there's going to be some political barriers, oh, yeah. and that's that's one of those challenges that suddenly. But but I got to say, these days there's so many things that even even when there's a political barrier, there seems there often seems to be a way and a solution that can even bridge that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean changing the politics necessarily. I'm talking about just a, almost that third party solution that says, Hey, we'll be the arbiter of this e-commerce action. We'll be that trusted source. Cause we're, we're not even there. We're not even part of the, 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 that government. And we'll be that trusted middle, middle person in the way. You know, as you're saying that what we need in my opinion, is um, Kiva, the microloan platform. If someone would take that and hmm. combine it with a marketplace, um, yeah, that's basically what we're describing. Um, and I think there's definitely people out there that have the the resources and intelligence to put something like that together. Um, Come on, Josh, we can do it. I know we can do it. <laughs> After in a few years, maybe, but. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a big opportunity and I think it could be so impact just like Kiva has changed so many lives to those micro loans. Like these aren't this isn't a culture where people are looking for a handout. Um this is a culture where people are building and creating really cool products that aren't making it outside of their small island and uh I think again with the right resources with something like that where and I don't even know if you would need the the micro loan micro lending part of Kiva. It's more just a coaching them, helping them understand, and then providing a e-commerce marketplace for them. Well, and the other thing, think about it with that tourist situation, how, and, and you've traveled much more than I have, but I know how awesome it is when I travel somewhere, even just in the United States, and I go to this location and say, wow, I love your product, and I buy a little bit there, but I don't want to fly back with you know, especially if it's something breakable or anything like that. Hey, can I order it online? Yeah, absolutely. And then you can go to it. Think about the opportunity with all of these tourists that suddenly you're visiting the stand, you're visiting this small shop, and you see something you like, and then you see there a QR code or or just the website and says, hey, you can purchase this. Others, it may take a little bit to get there. It's not going to be, you know, it's not not same day delivery, not same day overnight delivery with the uh, with the drone coming over your over your house, but but it could be possible. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there there was some amazing hot sauce brewed and bottled there on the island that I bought five bottles of because I realized I looked on Amazon, I looked around, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to buy this again unless I want to, you know, fly down here and just a, a quick shopping trip, which might be expensive. Um, there's no way to buy this, and it's an amazing product. It was a very unique hot sauce that had a lot of hot sauce in a lot of countries. Uh, all right, all right, like slight it, change so. here. You said brewed hot sauce. I didn't know hot sauce was brewed. Yeah, is yeah. It? Some types of it are. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Well, another episode, folks. There we go. We are so hot excited. Hot sauce today. Exactly. <laughs> well, this is commerce today, and we want to stay in today, and we really want to uh, emphasize the opportunity that these e-commerce islands, that they are, can and could be, and, and could be an amazing opportunity for the right set of uh, uh, innovation and ideas and, and definitely a good old fashioned pull up the bootstraps and go after it kind of mentality. But I think there's a great opportunity. Last thoughts, Josh. No, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, 
what someone other than me can do with this idea. So. And and the bank of uh, Josh and Darren will be uh, forthcoming, I'm there sure. Yeah, there we go. Or we're launching what e-commerce coin, the next uh, <laughs> blockchain currency. There you so, go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who cares about Bitcoin? We'll yeah. have the uh, commerce coin. All there right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are so excited as always to have you a part of uh, Commerce Today, and we're excited to share this uh, very interesting and unique opportunity of e-commerce islands and the opportunity that they present. So with that, um, we appreciate you. Definitely uh, send us a note, like the podcast and the information, and we'll see you next time. Mm